Section 17 of The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume 4 by James Boswell, Section 17. To Captain Langton in Rochester. Footnote. Mr. Langton, being at this time on duty at Rochester, he is addressed by his military title, Boswell. End footnote. Dear Sir, it is now long since we saw one another, and whatever has been the reason, neither you have written to me nor I to you. To let friendship die away by negligence and silence is certainly not wise. It is voluntarily to throw away one of the greatest comforts of this weary pilgrimage of which, when it is, as it must be, taken finally away, he that travels on alone will wonder how his esteem could be so little. Do not forget me. You see that I do not forget you. It is pleasing in the silence of solitude to think that there is one at least, however distant, of whose benevolence there is little doubt, and whom there is yet hope of seeing again. Footnote. Eight days later, he recorded, I have in ten days written to Aston Lucy Hector Langton Boswell, perhaps to all by whom my letters are desired. He had written also to Mrs. Thrale, but her affection, it should seem from this, he was beginning to doubt. End of footnote. Of my life, from the time we parted, the history is mournful. The spring of last year deprived me of Thrale, a man whose eye for fifteen years had scarcely been turned upon me but with respect or tenderness. For such another friend, the general course of human things will not suffer man to hope. I passed the summer at Streatham, but there was no thrail, and having idled away the summer with a weakly body and neglected mind, I made a journey to Staffordshire on the edge of winter. The season was dreary. I was sickly and found the friends sickly whom I went to see. After a sorrowful sojourn, I returned to a habitation possessed for the present by two sick women, where my dear old friend Mr. Levitt, to whom, as he used to tell me, I owe your acquaintance, died a few weeks ago, suddenly in his bed. There passed not, I believe, a minute between health and death. At night, as at Mrs. Thrale's, I was musing in my chamber, I thought with uncommon earnestness that however I might alter my mode of life, or whithersoever I might remove, I would endeavour to retain Levitt about me. In the morning, my servant brought me word that Levitt was called to another state, a state for which I think he was not unprepared, for he was very useful to the poor. How much soever I valued him, I now wish that I had valued him more. Footnote. Johnson has here expressed a sentiment similar to that contained in one of Shenstone's stanzas, 
to which in his life of that poet he has given high praise. I prized every hour that went by, beyond all that had pleased me before, but now they are gone, in square brackets past, and I sigh, I grieve that I prized them no more. James Boswell, Jr. End of footnote. I have myself been ill more than eight weeks of a disorder from which, at the expense of about fifty ounces of blood, I hope I am now recovering. You, dear sir, have, I hope, a more cheerful scene. You see George, fond of his book, and the pretty Mrs. Airy and Lively, and my own little Jenny, footnote, she was his goddaughter, end of footnote, equal to the best and in whatever can contribute to your quiet or pleasure you have lady rothers ready to concur footnote. dr johnson gave a very droll account of the children of mr langton who he said might be very good children if they were let alone but the father is never easy when he is not making them do something which they cannot do they must repeat a fable or a speech or the hebrew alphabet and they might as well count twenty for what they know of the matter however the father says half for he prompts every other word End of footnote. may whatever you enjoy of good be increased and whatever you suffer of evil be diminished i am dear sir your humble servant samuel johnson bolt court fleet street march the twentieth seventeen eighty two to Mr. Hector in Birmingham. Footnote. A part of this letter having been torn off, I have, from the evident meaning, supplied a few words and half-words at the ends and beginnings of lines. Boswell. End of footnote. Dear Sir, I hope I do not very grossly flatter myself to imagine that you and dear Mrs. Careless will be glad to hear some account of me. Footnote. She was Hector's widowed sister and Johnson's first love. In the previous October, writing of a visit to Birmingham, he said, Mrs. Careless took me under her care and told me when I had had tea enough. End of footnote. I performed the journey to London with very little inconvenience and came safe to my habitation, where I found nothing but ill health and of consequence very little cheerfulness. I then went to visit a little way into the country, where I got a complaint by a cold which has hung eight weeks upon me, and from which I am, at the expense of fifty ounces of blood, not yet free. I am afraid I must once more owe my recovery to warm weather, which seems to make no advances towards us, such is my health, which will, I hope, soon grow better. In other respects, I have no reason to complain. I know not that I have written anything more generally commended than the lives of the poets, and have found the world willing enough to caress me if my health had invited me to be in much company. But this season I have been almost wholly employed in nursing myself. When summer comes, I hope to see you again, and will not put off my visit to the end of the year. 
I have lived so long in London that I did not remember the difference of the seasons. Your health, when I saw you, was much improved. You will be prudent enough not to put it in danger. I hope when we meet again we shall all congratulate each other upon fair prospects of longer life. Though what are the pleasures of the longest life when placed in comparison with a happy death? I am, dear sir, yours most affectionately, Samuel Johnson, London, March the 21st, 1782. To the same without a date, but supposed to be about this time. Footnote. This letter cannot belong to this year. In it, Johnson says of his health, at least it is not worse. But 1782 found him in very bad health. He passed almost the whole of the year in a succession of disorders. What he says of friendship renders it almost certain that the letter was written while he had still Thrail, and him he lost in April 1781. Had it been written after June 1779, but before Thrail's death, the account given of health would have been even better than it is. It belongs perhaps to the year 1777 or 1778. Dear Sir, that you and dear Mrs. Careless should have care or curiosity about my health gives me that pleasure which every man feels from finding himself not forgotten. In age we feel again that love of our native place and our early friends, which in the bustle or amusements of middle life were overborne and suspended. You and I should now naturally cling to one another. We have outlived most of those who could pretend to rival us in each other's kindness. In our walk through life we have dropped our companions and are now to pick up such as chance may offer us or to travel on alone. Footnote. To a man who has survived all the companions of his youth, this full peopled world is a dismal solitude. End footnote. You indeed have a sister with whom you can divide the day. I have no natural friend left, but Providence has been pleased to preserve me from neglect. I have not wanted such alleviations of life as friendship could supply. My health has been from my twentieth year such as has seldom afforded me a single day of ease, but it is at least not worse and I sometimes make myself believe that it is better. My disorders are, however, still sufficiently oppressive. I think of seeing Staffordshire again this autumn, and intend to find my way through Birmingham, where I hope to see you and dear Mrs. Careless well. I am, so your affectionate friend, Samuel Johnson. I wrote to him at different dates, regretted that I could not come to London this spring, but hoped we should meet somewhere in the summer, mentioned the state of my affairs, and suggested hopes of some preferment, informed him that, as The Beauties of Johnson had been published in London, some obscure scribbler had published at Edinburgh what he called The Deformities of Johnson. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, 
the pleasure which we used to receive from each other on good friday and easter day we must be this year content to miss let us however pray for each other and hope to see one another yet from time to time with mutual delight my disorder has been a cold which impeded the organs of respiration and kept me many weeks in a state of great uneasiness but by repeated phlebotomy it is now relieved and next to the recovery of mrs boswell i flatter myself that you will rejoice at mine what we shall do in the summer it is yet too early to consider you want to know what you shall do now i do not think this time of bustle and confusion likely to produce any advantage to you footnote the ministry had resigned on the twentieth end of footnote every man has those to reward and gratify who have contributed to his advancement to come hither with such expectations at the expense of borrowed money which i find you know not where to borrow can hardly be considered as prudent i am sorry to find what your solicitation seems to imply that you have already gone the whole length of your credit this is to set the quiet of your whole life at hazard if you anticipate your inheritance you can at last inherit nothing all that you receive must pay for the past you must get a place or pine in penury with the empty name of a great estate poverty my dear friend is so great an evil and pregnant with so much temptation and so much misery that i cannot but earnestly enjoin you to avoid it footnote thirty-two years earlier he wrote in the rambler number fifty three in the prospect of poverty there is nothing but gloom and melancholy the mind and body suffer together its miseries bring no alleviation it is a state in which every virtue is obscured and in which no conduct can avoid reproach and again in number fifty seven the prospect of penury in age is so gloomy and terrifying that every man who looks before him must resolve to avoid it and it must be avoided generally by the science of sparing End of footnote. live on what you have live if you can on less do not borrow either for vanity or pleasure the vanity will end in shame and the pleasure in regret stay therefore at home till you have saved money for your journey hither the beauties of johnson are said to have got money to the collector if the deformities have the same success i shall be still a more extensive benefactor make my compliments to mrs boswell who is i hope reconciled to me and to the young people whom i never have offended you never told me the success of your plea against the solicitors i am dear sir your most affectionate samuel johnson london march the twenty eighth seventeen eighty two 
notwithstanding his afflicted state of body and mind this year footnote. hannah more wrote in april of this year poor johnson is in a bad state of health i fear his constitution is broken up yet in one week he dined out four times at one of these dinners i urged him she continues to take a little wine he replied i can't drink a little child therefore i never touch it abstinence is as easy to me as temperance would be difficult he was very good-humoured and gay one of the company happened to say a word about poetry hush hush she said it is dangerous to say a word of poetry before her it is talking the art of war before hannibal End of footnote. the following correspondence affords a proof not only of his benevolence and conscientious readiness to relieve a good man from error but by his clothing one of the sentiments in his rambler in different language not inferior to that of the original shows his extraordinary command of clear and forcible expression a clergyman at bath wrote to him that in the morning chronicle a passage in the beauties of johnson footnote, the book was published in seventeen eighty one and according to lowndes reached its seventh edition by seventeen eighty seven article death had been pointed out as supposed by some readers to recommend suicide the words being to die is the fate of man but to die with lingering anguish is generally his folly and respectfully suggesting to him that such an erroneous notion of any sentence in the writings of an acknowledged friend of religion and virtue should not pass uncontradicted johnson thus answered the clergyman's letter to the reverend mr at bath sir being now in the country in a state of recovery as i hope from a very oppressive disorder i cannot neglect the acknowledgment of your christian letter footnote the clergyman's letter was dated may fourth johnson is explaining the reason for his delay in acknowledging it End of footnote. the book called the beauties of johnson is the production of i know not whom i never saw it but by casual inspection and considered myself as utterly disengaged from its consequences of the passage you mention i remember some notice in some paper but knowing that it must be misrepresented i thought of it no more nor do i know where to find it in my own books i am accustomed to think little of newspapers but an opinion so weighty and serious as yours has determined me to do what i should without your seasonable admonition have omitted and i will direct my thought to be shown in its true state footnote what follows appeared in the morning chronicle of may the twenty ninth seventeen eighty two a correspondent having mentioned in the morning chronicle of december the twelfth the last clause of the following paragraph as seeming to favour suicide we are requested to print the whole passage that its true meaning may appear which is not to recommend suicide but exercise 
exercise cannot secure us from that dissolution to which we are decreed but while the soul and body continue united it can make the association pleasing and give probable hopes that they shall be disjoined by an easy separation it was a principle among the ancients that acute diseases are from heaven and chronical from ourselves the dart of death indeed falls from heaven but we poison it by our own misconduct to die is the fate of man but to die with lingering anguish is generally his folly boswell end of footnote if i could find the passage i would direct you to it i suppose the tenor is this acute diseases are the immediate and inevitable strokes of heaven but of them the pain is short and the conclusion speedy chronical disorders by which we are suspended in tedious torture between life and death are commonly the effect of our own misconduct and intemperance to die etc this sir you see is all true and all blameless i hope some time in the next week to have all rectified my health has been lately much shaken if you favour me with any answer it will be a comfort to me to know that i have your prayers i am etc samuel johnson may the fifteenth seventeen eighty two this letter as might be expected had its full effect and the clergyman acknowledged it in grateful and pious terms Footnote. The correspondence may be seen at length in the Gentleman's Magazine, February 1786, Boswell. Johnson, advising Dr. Taylor to take as much exercise as he can bear, says, I take the true definition of exercise to be labour without weariness. End of footnote. The following letters require no extracts from mine to introduce them. To James Boswell, Esquire, dear sir, the earnestness and tenderness of your letter is such that I cannot think myself showing it more respect than it claims by sitting down to answer it the day on which I received it. This year has afflicted me with a very irksome and severe disorder. My respiration has been much impeded and much blood has been taken away. I am now harassed by a catarrhous cough from which my purpose is to seek relief by change of air. I am therefore preparing to go to Oxford. Footnote. Here he met Hannah Moore. You cannot imagine, she writes, with what delight he showed me every part of his own college. Dr. Adams had contrived a very pretty piece of gallantry. We spent the day and evening at his house. After dinner, Johnson begged to conduct me to see the college. He would let no one show it me but himself. This was my room, this Shenstone's. Then, after pointing out all the rooms of the poets who had been at his college, in short, said he, we were a nest of singing birds. When we came into the common room, we spied a fine large print of Johnson, hung up that very morning with this motto, 
and is not Johnson ours, himself a host, under which stared you in the face, from Miss Moore's sensibility. This little incident amused us. But alas, Johnson looks very ill indeed, spiritless and wan. However, he made an effort to be cheerful. Miss Adams wrote on June the 14th, 1782, On Wednesday we had here a delightful blue stocking party. Dr. and Mrs. Kennicott and Miss Moore, Dr. Johnson, Mr. Henderson, etc., dined here. Poor Dr. Johnson is in very bad health, but he exerted himself as much as he could, and, being very fond of Miss Moore, he talked a good deal, and every word he says is worth recording. He took great delight in showing Miss Moore every part of Pembroke College and his own rooms, etc., and told us many things about himself when here. June 19, 1782 We dined yesterday for the last time in the company with Dr. Johnson. He went away today. A warm dispute arose. It was about cider or wine freezing, and all the spirit retreating to the centre. End of footnote. Whether I did right in dissuading you from coming to London this spring, I will not determine. You have not lost much by missing my company. I have scarcely been well for a single week. I might have received comfort from your kindness, but you would have seen me afflicted and perhaps found me peevish. Whatever might have been your pleasure or mine, I know not how I could have honestly advised you to come hither with borrowed money. Do not accustom yourself to consider debt only as an inconvenience. You will find it a calamity. Poverty takes away so many means of doing good and produces so much inability to resist evil, both natural and moral, that it is by all virtuous means to be avoided. Consider a man whose fortune is very narrow, whatever be his rank by birth or whatever his reputation by intellectual excellence, what good can he do, or what evil can he prevent? That he cannot help the needy is evident, he has nothing to spare, but perhaps his advice or admonition may be useful. His poverty will destroy his influence. Many more can find that he is poor than that he is wise, and few will reverence the understanding that is of so little advantage to its owner. I say nothing of the personal wretchedness of a debtor, which, however, has passed into a proverb. Footnote. I never retired to rest without feeling the justness of the Spanish proverb. Let him who sleeps too much borrow the pillow of a debtor. End of footnote. Of riches it is not necessary to write the praise. Let it, however, be remembered that he who has money to spare has it always in his power to benefit others 
and of such power a good man must always be desirous i am pleased with your account of easter footnote, which i celebrated in the church of england chapel at edinburgh founded by lord chief baron smith of respectable and pious memory boswell end of footnote. we shall meet i hope in autumn both well and both cheerful and part each the better for the other's company make my compliments to mrs boswell and to the young charmers i am etc samuel johnson london june the third seventeen eighty two to mr perkins dear sir i am much pleased that you are going a very long journey which may by proper conduct restore your health and prolong your life observe these rules one turn all care out of your head as soon as you mount the chaise two do not think about frugality your health is worth more than it can cost three do not continue any day's journey to fatigue four take now and then a day's rest five get a smart seasickness if you can six cast away all anxiety and keep your mind easy this last direction is the principle with an unquiet mind neither exercise nor diet nor physic can be of much use i wish you dear sir a prosperous journey and a happy recovery i am dear sir your most affectionate humble servant samuel johnson july the twenty eighth seventeen eighty two to james boswell esq dear sir being uncertain whether i should have any call this autumn into the country i did not immediately answer your kind letter i have no call but if you desire to meet me at ashbourne i believe i can come thither if you had rather come to london i can stay at streatham take your choice this year has been very heavy from the middle of january to the middle of june i was battered by one disorder after another i am now very much recovered and hope still to be better what happiness it is that mrs boswell has escaped my lives are reprinting and i have forgotten the author of gray's character footnote the reverend mr temple vicar of st gluvius cornwall boswell end of footnote write immediately and it may be perhaps yet inserted of london or ashbourne you have your free choice at any place i shall be glad to see you i am dear sir yours etc samuel johnson august twenty fourth seventeen eighty two end of section seventeen